Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. I am so excited about today's episode. Today, you're gonna be hearing part two of my conversation with my amazing counselor, Kristen Reed from Readiness Counseling here in Nashville. Now, if you haven't listened to part one of the episode, make sure you go back and listen to that one first. In this two-part episode, we're talking about becoming a mom, why it's such a big transition, what you can do to prepare for it, and some really practical pieces of advice and wisdom to help you through, especially in those first few months. Like I said, if you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen to that part first. But today in part two, we're focusing on how to ask for help as a new mom and why needing help is not a sign of failure, weakness, or somehow a sign that we're a bad mom. We're talking about why it's so important for us to take care of ourselves and how to actually do that and how to drop the guilt so many of us feel when we do. We're talking about how to filter through all of the advice that's out there for first-time moms so that we can figure out what's best for us, for our family, and for our new baby, and so much more. And then at the end of the episode, since Kristen is my therapist, we talk about therapy, why it's so important, how it can help, and how to find the right therapist for you, even if you've struggled to find someone who's a good fit in the past. I said this last week, but this is a pretty vulnerable topic for me. Becoming a mom is something really recent for me, and it's honestly the hardest transition I've ever been through. But I wanna share the whole story of how this went for me because if you're struggling in any of the same ways that I was, it is so important to me that you know you're not alone. Okay, one more thing before we dive in. Speaking of therapy, as you're hearing from my amazing counselor, you might find yourself thinking about counseling in your own life. With that in mind, if you live in Tennessee or in South Carolina and are navigating anything related to motherhood, go check out Ready Nest. They are so great. That link will be in our show notes too. But if you're in a different season of life or you live in a different state, that recommendation doesn't help quite as much. So here's one that does. It's one of our amazing Girls' Night podcast sponsors, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This is truly the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. You may have heard me talk about Faithful Counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I wanted to tell you four quick reasons why I love them so much. The first is that it's easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a form about yourself, what you're going through, what you're looking for in a counselor, and within 24 hours, Faithful Counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. The second reason is that it's easy to schedule. Once you're connected to a therapist, you can start communicating with them in less than 24 hours. You can also log into your account at any time and send a message to your therapist and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And the best part is you get to do it all virtually. No commute, no awkward waiting room time, less time away from work. You can even do your sessions in your PJs, which I do literally every time. The third reason is that it's easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you really connect with. And often we don't find the right person on our first try. So then we're stuck going through the whole process of breaking up with our counselor, which is awkward, and then starting from scratch to find a new one. But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor, or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. They make it really easy to find the best fit possible. And then the fourth reason is that it's easier to fit into your budget. While I love traditional in-person counseling, it can cost more than $100 per session, which makes it a total no-go for so many of us. 
but Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive and they have financial aid available. And if you sign up through the special link they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling. And that link will give you all of the information as well as 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling. And you can get all the info about Faithful Counseling and you can get 10% off your first month of counseling there too. All right, you guys ready? Let's jump into part two of my conversation with Kristen. So one of the things that I know was really hard for me and I think is really hard for a lot of women is asking for help. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was never any expectation that I would be the sole caretaker for these two babies, partially because I think that that's impossible. (laughs) Um, But even so... I felt a pretty intense amount of failure for not being able to take care of them by myself. Like that was never anyone's expectation for me. It was never my expectation of myself. But still, the fact that I couldn't do this on my own, like I felt bad about that. And I and I remember having a hard time asking for help or a hard time receiving help. And, and whether that looked like looking at Carl and telling him I'm tapped out, like I you know, it was really hard for me to to not have more to give. Like, I felt mm-hmm. like, I felt weak for that. Um, or whether that was like, you know, having my mother-in-law help me with the girls, which she has helped so much and still does. Like, I felt like I shouldn't need that. Or then when I remember a specific conversation when we were trying to find and hire a nanny for the girls to help us, that I felt like I should have only the bare minimum amount of help. So like, if I had time to, if I had enough nanny hours that I could take a shower and take a nap, that I was being like lazy and indulgent, and also that I was harming my kids by spending time away from them. So can you talk to us about how to ask for help and how not to feel guilty about it? Or I guess if we, I don't think you're going to say we should feel guilty about it. So if we shouldn't, like why? Yeah, we definitely shouldn't feel guilt about asking for help because we're human. We're not perfect. We don't have the capacity to handle everything at all times of the day, right? And you know, how often have I reminded you of Steph, you have two, you have multiples and reminded you to have grace for yourself, right? And and reminded you that this is double for you what it is for for a mom that's just having one kiddo. Um, Hard, equally as hard, but it looks a little bit different because there's two, right? We've talked about that a lot. And for any of your listeners that are moms of multiples, they'll, they'll totally understand and be able to resonate with that. I'm sending you guys all also, a hug. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. But, you know, as far as asking for help goes, the first thing I think that we have to do is extend that grace to ourselves of it is okay that I cannot do all of this. It is okay that I have to have my basic needs met, like taking a shower and eating and sleeping. It is okay. And if we ask for help in order to meet those needs, guess what? You're setting yourself up for success. It's not setting yourself up for failure. It's setting yourself up for success because you're going to be a much more present mom, a much more present partner, a much more present friend, daughter, granddaughter, the list goes on and on and on and on because you've met those basic needs, right? Mm-hmm. It's not selfish to uh, 
take a shower. It's not selfish. It is not selfish at all. It is not selfish to hydrate your body. It is not selfish to feed yourself a nourishing meal. Those are things that we actually have to to be doing in order to be performing at capacity. If we're not, then we're not going to be able to do any of the things that our baby wants and needs for us to do, right? Or our partner or ourselves. So let's let's remember that. Basic needs are not a luxury. Basic needs are basic needs, okay? Yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. Right? Honestly, I would wear it. Yeah. <laughs> basic needs are not a luxury. Exactly. Basic needs. Yes. And it's never, 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 never selfish of you to ask for help so that you can go take a shower, especially if you haven't taken one in three days. That's never selfish. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Asking for help. Extending grace to yourself first. That's the key, I think. And just reminding yourself, it's okay. We all need help sometimes. And, you know, your partner's going to need to ask you for help on another day. And guess what? It's just the way life is. It's totally normal. It's totally okay. Yeah. Do you, we've talked about this a lot, that there's sort of this idea that having your kids with anyone but you is like second Mm -hmm. best. Or it's like mm-hmm. it's like Plan B, but I think that the way that mm-hmm. I felt about about it, and this is totally subconscious. Like I don't actually feel this way at all. I I, I haven't been raised this way. I haven't mm-hmm. been given any explicit messages like this. And if I had, I'd be like, that's not true. Um, yeah. But I think I still have this like weird gut feeling that like Plan A is that my girls are with me, that I'm the one taking care of them at all times, yeah. and then to have them with anybody else is like Plan F. Like it's it's yeah. not just second best. Yeah. It's like way way less mm-hmm. good. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. is that true? One thousand percent. No, it's not true at all. Um, it's actually really helpful for our kids to be able to be with uh, another adult, appropriate adult, right? When that is safe, a safe, appropriate adult. Um, it's really mm-hmm. really helpful. Why is that helpful? Well, we want to raise really well attached, securely attached humans. That's what we want. Um, that are well-rounded and that have a really beautiful view of all different things of life, right? But a way that we can set our kids up to grow up to be um, securely attached to individuals is by allowing them the opportunity to be with other people that are taking care of them. So having a nanny take care of them, sending them to daycare, sending them to school, all of these things are really appropriate for their emotional development. Talk to me about, because we've talked about this a lot too, talk to me about secure attachment. What is, because it would seem like for a kid to be really attached, that means that they are like always on your hip. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's Mm -hmm. not what you're talking about. That's not the kind of attachment. exactly right. No, 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 no. We actually don't want our kids to always be attached to our hips and to start crying the minute that we put them down or uh, that dad takes them or grandma takes them, right? Sometimes it's developmentally appropriate. Like, let's say that. Let's normalize that. Looking at you, Annie and Quinn, right now. (laughs) (laughs) They love their mama so much. (laughs) They really do. (laughs) That's appropriate. It's totally appropriate. We're going to go through cycles where they need dad or they need mom or they can't leave each other's side. That's normal. It's it's okay. I'm talking about if it is that way for every single time that uh, you go to put them down and they start screaming, then we want, we want to look at some things that maybe we need to tweak within um, the parent-child relationship. It doesn't mean that you're loving your kid wrong or anything like that. It's just maybe we need to really focus on that attachment piece. So what does it mean to be securely attached? It means that 
mom's going to leave the room. Uh, if there's an adult there, uh, dad or grandma or a friend or a nanny, whatever, mom's going to leave the room. Your kid's going to be like, it's going to notice, huh? Mom left. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep playing with my blocks. And then mom comes back. Oh, Hey mom, look what I did while you were gone. That's a securely attached kid. Um, one that's not breaking down every time that mom leaves the room. And once again, there are seasons where that's 100% developmentally appropriate, Mm-hmm. But we don't want that to be happening every single time. What we really want our kids to know is somebody that loves me is going to go away, but they're going to come back. So I don't need to worry about where did they go? Where did they go? Are they coming back? I don't need to be anxious about that. Yeah. Okay. I really love that. Yeah. The girls are totally mm-hmm. in it. It's, they're coming out of it a little bit, but they're in a moment where, or the last, I would say like month or so, where they just, just want to be with me. Uh, but it is starting to fade a little bit and they're yeah. they're remembering how much they love Carl and that, and really they usually, if we drop them off someplace where they, you know, with their grandparents or, you know, if they're with a nanny, they cry when I leave, but then mm-hmm. they get over it pretty quickly and start exactly. playing blocks. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's very, very common. And that's what we want to see. Mm-hmm. Like overall, it's a good thing for our kids to be taken care of by different safe adults, not just by us. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It absolutely is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, your girls, I know your girls, I don't know your listeners' kids, and they're just such a delight. Why would you not want to share that delight with other people, with your nanny, with their grandparents, with your friends, right? And that's, an, that's another way to look at it. You're sharing your kid who brings so much joy to your life and is really precious and does all of these cute, lovely little things. You're sharing that with somebody else and that's going to bring joy to somebody else's life. Yeah. yeah, it is cool because I feel like they get to, they learn so many things and so many different things from the different adults that they have in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's like when one person is tapped out or like if they were with me and Carl all day of like, we both still have to work, you know, like a, yeah. you're the most, at least one of the adults in your house has to, has to work in order for you guys to like eat, which means mm-hmm. that they have a lot on their plate, which means they're not really the most fun to be around for a kid. Like answering emails isn't fun for me, let alone for my girls. And so it is, it's so fun to hear about all the things that they are doing at, at, you know, Carl's parents' house or the things that they're doing with their nannies or to get pictures Mm -hmm. of what they're up to. And they're having such a better time, honestly, than they would if they were with me all day. Yeah. Hearing hearing their little squeals in the background while you are, uh, checking your email, right? That's just really darling. Yes, it's yes. so fun. It's a moment of yep. joy in your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of getting work done, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is what it looks like to be a working parent. And can you talk to us a little bit about just really anything that you have for for parents as they're either headed back to work for the first time after having their their baby or anything you have for just working parents in general? I know that there's a lot of, it's a lot to have on your plate all at once, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like, you already had a full plate and then you have a baby and now you have like four full plates that you're trying to balance. Right. Yeah. So two things come to mind here. One is some women and some dads are really excited to get back to work. And that is fantastic. 
So let's celebrate that. Not everybody has the story of, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to leave my babies and go back to work and I don't want to. I just want to stay at home all day. If that's your story, that's great. That's fantastic. But let's remember that's not everybody's story. And so for a lot of women, like I said, it's really exciting for them to be able to get back into to their career, get back into the workforce. Now for for those women and those men that it's it's maybe a little bit harder for them, that's okay. Feel your feelings. That's the thing. The first thing I like to say, it's hard. Sure. Yeah. You're going to miss your kid. Absolutely. And that's okay. Let's talk about those feelings. Let's give you the space that you need to just really sit in your sadness or your anxiety or whatever it is that you're feeling in that moment. Odds are it's a lot of things. Um, But let's give you some space to sit in that and feel those things and recognize this is normal it's appropriate. It means that you really love your kid, which is really what we want to hear at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's okay to be sad. From there, you know, we still have to go do the thing. You're dropping your kid off with the nanny or at daycare for the first time. One thing that I really like to tell my clients is like plan something you can look forward to right after that. So maybe it's you you get yourself a special latte from Starbucks or you go to your favorite local bakery and pick up your favorite treat, right? Or maybe it's not food related at all. Maybe you go to a yoga practice afterwards, but just save something that you can have to look forward to right after that drop off. odds are it's going to be really challenging. If you're already not looking forward to going back to work and then you're having to take your baby to nanny, daycare, grandparents, whoever's going to be responsible for them, that's a hard transition. So if we have something to look forward to on the other side of that, it's not going to negate all of the sadness or whatever it is you're feeling, but it is going to be just a little dopamine hit is what Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. 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 Just a little pick me up. Yeah. And then from there, just give yourself time to get into rhythms, getting into uh, what's helpful and not helpful as far as logistically speaking. You know, maybe the mornings are super chaotic. So, okay, well, let's look at your evening. What can we do at night to better prepare you to have a smooth transition in the morning? Um, anything that you can do to extend that kind of kindness to yourself to make however the morning needs to go to make that a little bit easier. That's really what we need to focus on from, from there. After we've given you the space to let you feel your feelings and acknowledge what, whatever's going on emotionally. Okay, well, now let's look at logistics here. What needs to happen to set you up for success to do the drop off and then to get to work? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I really like that. Mm -hmm. One of the things, and I've thought about this in like a whole bunch of different seasons of life, but this is something I think about a lot when it comes to the girls and when it comes to work is I think that we can either, like there's a world in which every time I go to work, I'm thinking about the babies. And then every time I'm with the babies, I'm thinking about work. And it feels like that, like no matter what's happening in life, there's my physical body is in a place and my mind Mm -hmm. is in a place. And it feels like in that scenario, my mind and my physical body are always disconnected. Um, And so it means I'm never mentally present where I physically am. Mm. Something that I've tried to do in in seasons of life, and I mean, this is so much of what like my Every Single Life course is about, is try to be mentally and emotionally and spiritually and everything present where like my actual body is. Because there will be a time to be in another place also. And so when I'm with the girls, I really, really try to just be there, to like savor it, to be there with them, to play with them, to to just have my mind and my body in the same place and to give them the best of what I have. And then when I'm at work, trying to do the same with my work, because I just feel like it doesn't benefit anybody for them to get my body, but not my mind. And 
Um, so that's, I don't know, that's just, I don't know if that's helpful for anybody, but that's just sort of a discipline that I've been trying to cultivate for years now of just mentally being where my body is. Mm-hmm. And it just feels so much better to know, like, if I miss the girls during my work day, then I can go, okay, well, I'm going to see them tonight. And when I see them, I'll really be there with them. Or, you know what, like, I need to get this done tomorrow, but I have a block of time scheduled to do this thing. And when I'm there, like, I'm really going to be thinking about it. I'll really be just totally present there. So yeah, I don't know if that's, I don't know if anyone else can resonate with that, but that's been really helpful to me. Mindfulness. Yeah, that's fantastic stuff. Uh, The practice of mindfulness, uh, there's, there's a reason why it's kind of a buzzword. It's because it works. It's really important and it works. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I don't Mm -hmm. think I put that together. That's what that is. Yeah. Totally right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So something I know a lot of women feel is guilt. I think it's just this really common and really accepted. It's like, it's almost like, uh, here's your like free gift with purchase. (laughs) It's like, here's your baby and here's the guilt that will automatically come with them. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about guilt. Like, how do we stop feeling like we're not doing enough, being enough, being around enough, Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel like, Mm -hmm. how do we find some peace from that guilt? Yeah, I think that's a lifelong for everyone, regardless if it's mom guilt, dad guilt, or just in general guilt. It's a lifelong thing to to navigate. And one thing that I, I, I like to really distinguish two things, shame versus guilt. Are we feeling guilt or are we feeling shame? Shame tells us that we are a bad person. Guilt tells us that, oh, we've done something bad. Are we feeling shame? If you're feeling shame for leaving your kid uh, to go to work or to go meet up with a girlfriend for coffee, then that we actually need to look at a little bit more in detail. That's when someone such as myself, another therapist would be really, really helpful to like unpack that a little bit because that's telling me that there's some other things going on internally and mentally that that are not awesome. And then uh, you need some, you deserve some relief from that. But mm. with guilt, you know, it, it tells us that, oh, you're doing something bad. You need to rethink this behavior right here. And what's tricky about that is it's not bad to leave your kid. In some mm. scenarios, maybe, but the most part, for the most part, right? It's not bad to leave your kid. You're doing some, you're doing them a favor. You're doing yourself a favor so that when you finally do come back together at the end of the day or at the end of the afternoon or whatever, you're enjoying each other. You're able to be fully present with each other. Mom guilt's just a thing that we're going to have to navigate. And there's no completely eliminating it. It's all about, okay, I'm feeling this way. Let me acknowledge right now I'm feeling guilt. Why do I feel guilt? Well, I'm feeling guilt because I really, I've missed my kid a lot this week and I've been spending a lot more hours at work this week and I'm feeling really sad about that. Okay, well, instead of guilt, like let's sit in that sadness, right? Let's let's sit in that for a minute and let's just acknowledge, I really miss my kid and I really want to just play with my kid for the afternoon. Okay, well, maybe can we schedule a time next week for you to take the afternoon off of work and you pick your kid up early from school or daycare and then just go have ice cream, go to the playground go sit at home and snuggle up under a blanket and read stories, right? So let's look at why we're feeling the guilt. And then from there, do whatever we need to do to to kind of address that in a more specific way. Does that make sense? Yes. I like that so much because it's not just letting your feelings run the show. It's like having Mm -hmm. them, like almost like account for themselves. So I think when we think of mom guilt, 
it's, I think most of the time it's shame and it's this shame that says that we're not a good mom or that we're not enough. And to just like accept that that's a thing is crazy because that's not a thing. It's not true at all. And it shouldn't be allowed to like walk around like it is true. So so stopping it and going, hey, like what is actually happening here? And then, yeah, there is sadness when you miss your kids or sadness when you don't get to be or do the things that you want to be or do for your kids. But also like responding to that instead of just believing the first thought that you're failing or you're not good enough. Yeah, yeah. The first thought uh, is important. The first thought is always important. So let's always acknowledge that. But then we get to decide from there, what am I going to do with this thought? Am I going to sit in it? Am I going to dwell in it? Am I going to stew in it? Or I can acknowledge it and I can say, okay, yeah, I feel guilt or I feel sad or I feel really frustrated with myself because I was really short-tempered with my kid. Okay, well, what are we going to do to rectify that? Then we get to decide what do we do with that emotion. So let's not discount that first thought or that first emotion. And let's not uh, label that as bad. Um, it's not. It's an automated thing that is just going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's what we do with it next. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What do we do next? That's the thing that that really we want to focus in on. Yeah. Okay. This is like totally tied to this, but one of the things that I've learned from you that has been so helpful is I and I think I'm I'm gonna call it the wrong thing, but like the repair cycle. And yeah, how okay. like I feel like there's this feeling that you have to be perfect. That if you like what if you do it? You snap at your kids and you feel really bad about it and you feel like, oh my gosh, have I ruined everything because I was frustrated and hungry and snapped at my kids. Mm-hmm. Um but you've talked to me about something about like as, as long as you can get through the repair of it, mm-hmm. that that is really good. Can you talk to us about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's just go with this example of you're really frustrated and you snapped at your kid. Okay, it happened. Ugh, it feels terrible that it happened. And also you're human. You have your own range of emotion outside of your kid, right? And you're never going to be the perfect parent. Okay, so what are we going to do about that? We can sit in that, we can stew, we can ruminate, oh my gosh, I'm the worst mom ever. I can't believe I snapped at my kid when all that he or she was doing was asking me for a hug. We can sit and stew in that or we can do an action. We can go to our kid and we can say, I'm so sorry. Mama was really frustrated in that moment. I would love to give you a hug because I love you. I see you and you're important to me. And also mama sometimes has really big feelings just like you have really big feelings. That's the repair, right? And so what is that doing? It's repairing that relationship with your kid or not relationship, but just uh, the little the little wounding that's happened. And um, that's a more appropriate way to say that. Um, it's repairing that little wounding that's happening. And also it's teaching your kid a really valuable life skill of, guess what? I'm gonna mess up sometimes, but that's okay. Because if it's a safe, secure relationship, I can go back to that person and I can say, hey, I'm really sorry that I did this thing that hurt you. Can I, can I offer you uh, that apology and then uh, receive forgiveness on the other end of that, right? So it's important. It's not like, let's dismiss and act like this didn't happen and then everybody will get over it. No, that's going to cause more harm down the road. Let's address it head on and just admit, you know what? I didn't present my best to you and I'm really sorry for that. Can you forgive me for that? That's the actual repair. That's also aiding into the um, that attachment piece that we were talking about earlier. That's another thing that really helps build that stable, solid, secure attachment um, style. And that's like even more, like I might not be even, this might not be true the way I'm saying it, but like 
That's a beneficial thing. It's, that's not second best yeah. to being a perfect parent, oh. right? Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, for so many reasons, you're being honest with your kid of, I have faults and I have moments where I'm not going to be perfect. And also, I'm really sorry when I hurt your feelings. That is never my intent to hurt your feelings because I love you deeply. Yeah. Because you're, yeah. well, and your kid's not going to get to be a perfect person either. And so if they exactly. think that that's like the expectation, then that's mm-hmm. a really hard thing to live up to instead of being like, hey, when you're imperfect, because you will be, here's how you handle it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point, Steph. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. 
But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. That took a lot of pressure off of me. I, I really, Good. I think, like I think about that a lot, that it's like, it's yeah. important to show the repair. Um, it's important to get to the repair, but mm-hmm. um, that it, you haven't like messed up everything. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so this is, um, I have just a couple other things I want to touch on. One of the things that was really challenging for me that I know we talked through a lot is that there are so many decisions to be made with babies. And it seems like everyone has very strong opinions about what the right thing to do is. Mm -hmm. And so that's like bottles or breastfeeding or swaddling or what kind of toys they play with or how they sleep or where they sleep or sleep training, whatever. How do we... And, and it's, it is so wild because everyone is absolutely positive that their way is the only right way. Like, don't, like uh-huh. if you Google it, you will find people <laughs> on either side being like, you're going to damage your kids if you do it any way other than mine. Mm-hmm. How do we wade through some of that noise and figure yeah. out what's right to do for our family? Absolutely. So a couple of things logistically. Talk to your pediatrician. There, you have your pediatrician for a reason. If you don't have a great relationship with your pediatrician, I suggest go interview another one and find one that you have a good relationship with. The other thing is that maybe is probably should be the first step is just being on the same page with your partner and deciding like what's important to us to make sure that we have a healthy, well-attached kid that's going to grow up to be a healthy, well-attached adult, right? Get on the same page with your partner as that. Then if you have questions, your first person usually should be your pediatrician if it is something to do with their well-being. If it's something to do with their spiritual development, maybe go to your pastor, right? But another thing that we've talked about is limiting your gurus, which I learned that. I've got to get credit where credit is due from sweet Emily P. Freeman. Uh, that's where I learned this concept of limiting your gurus. So, okay, you you know, you've got on the same page with your partner. Of, this is what's important to us for our child and our family unit. Okay, now we've got important people such as our pastors, such as our pediatrician, um, teachers, whoever else you feel is important uh, to speak into whatever the value system is, right? You're going to go to them. They're going to be like your first layer. Now let's talk about your social media feed. You don't need to follow every breastfeeding account. You don't need to follow every formula feeding account. You don't need to follow every diaper account. Like you just pick a handful of people that you want to speak into your your social media feed, right? You don't need all the voices. As an Enneagram 9, too many voices. It gets super confusing for me. And so the best thing Mm -hmm. that I can do for myself is to limit, okay, I've got five people, five influencer type people that I'm going to follow on my Instagram, uh, social media, whatever uh, account. I'm going to stick to those five. If at some point those five people are no longer meeting my needs, okay, well, I'm just going to unfollow them. 
not because they're a bad person, but they're just not meeting my needs at this point. And then I'll either replace them or not replace them. And that's great. Limiting mm-hmm. your gurus yeah. makes a massive, massive, massive difference. I love that so much. We, w- I mean, Carl and I both were like anxiety Googling in the middle of the night mm. for months and months and months and figure and like just having so many competing voices about how we should handle mm-hmm. all these different things. And everyone said something different. And so when I remember when you said that, like you told me, you're like, Steph, you need to limit your gurus. Carl and I sat down and figured out like who were the, what was the resource we were going to like lean into when it came to sleep? What was the resource we were going to lean into when it came to feeding them? You know, like, and then when we had a question about naps or something else, we would look on their website because everyone... It's like everyone has the same information, but everyone comes at it from a different lens. And so we just had to pick like what lens we felt good about. And then that was our resource. And it just, I mean, I think about that in so many corners of my life now, just clearing out some of the noise, deciding who I'm going to listen to. And it just makes it so much easier because really everyone has an opinion. Yes. The the thing I want to say here is every baby is different. And so every baby is going to respond to a certain method differently than another baby will. And you know your baby better than anybody else will ever know your baby. And so if you want to do mom's on call, great. And you know that's going to work well for your kid. That is fantastic. If you want to try a different method, that's also fine. You get to decide. Just, I think that's the other important thing for parents to remember is this is your kid. You're in charge of this kid. Like you've been entrusted with the well-being of this kid. You know this baby better than anybody else will know this baby. Trust your instinct here. That instinct is going to develop. The more you know your baby, it's going to develop. It's going to kick in. Trust that you're going to pick out the best, most perfect thing for your baby. Yeah, I really like that. And and I like the idea too of talking to your partner first and figuring out kind of what your value system is. Mm-hmm. Like what mm-hmm. is what is the set of circumstances you're working within? What because some things like won't if you both work outside the home full time, then you like physically breastfeeding your baby around the clock is not gonna work because exactly. you won't physically be in your house. And so it's like at that exactly. point you need to decide which is more important, like do you, or which is more necessary? Do you mm-hmm. can, like, do you want to quit your job so that you can breastfeed around the clock or is pumping going to work? So in which case, um, or formula, like in which case that's kind of how you make decisions. You like something has yeah. to give. I think, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is helpful for anybody else, but for us, it felt like there, you know, there are a lot of people who say like, you can't have your kids on a schedule. Like you shouldn't have your kids on a schedule or that's, mm-hmm. um, you need to to feed them whenever they like sort of ask for it or or like feed on demand. And for us, we had to figure out like what was more important, like my breastfeeding journey or, Mm -hmm. um, which is something we really, you know, gave our, gave our best shot or Mm -hmm. getting some sleep. And also, and part of that was having the twins on the same schedule because that's something that every twin parent says, like, and every resource ever is like, keep your twins on the same schedule. And so that was something that we had to kind of figure out. And and ultimately, them staying on the same schedule and them and all of us getting some sleep trumped really because it had to um, being able to feed them on demand. And so like my mm. breastfeeding didn't go maybe as well as it could have otherwise, but we, but the alternative wasn't sustainable. Like we couldn't, right. none of us would have made it through if we continued mm. getting as little sleep as we did. So mm. just figuring out like what is, what set of circumstances are you working with? What's really important to you and what's important to you enough that you can sacrifice some other things and then, and then finding a couple of good resources to help you with that. Yes, exactly. Hmm. 
Speaking of finding people to speak into your life, I want to kind of finish out by talking about therapy. I don't know how many women think of uh, their first few months as a parent as a time to seek therapy, but I think more of us should. So tell me, like, why, I'd love to hear from you why therapy is so powerful just in general, and then why it's so powerful in this season of life specifically. Yeah. I believe that therapy is sacred. Regardless of your belief system, it's still sacred. Uh, You get this beautiful opportunity to come and bear your soul and talk through your deepest traumas, or even just, I'm having a really hard time at work, and I just really need a safe space to go talk about it. It's really sacred, and it's really valuable. You're getting healing. You're getting uh, a change in perspective, right? And those are always, always really helpful things. And they're always really beautiful things. With motherhood or any time within perinatal in general, so whether it's conception, pregnancy, or postpartum, any part of that, infertility, whatever it is, that's so valuable because we have all of these messages thrown at us of it should look this way. You need to do it this way. Uh, Follow this routine. Don't do this routine, right? And it is overwhelming and it's confusing and it can be scary and it can just be full of anxiety and it can be full of sadness. And to have that space, you can go one hour a week or every two weeks or once a month, whatever that looks like for you, just to be able to talk things out without fear of judgment, without fear of my therapist is going to go and tell all of her friends my deepest, darkest, darkest secrets or shame me for feeling a certain way. None of that's going to happen in the therapy space. And we all deserve that. We all deserve that time to be able to just dump it all out, to unwind a little bit, talk about what's going on in our heads and in our hearts and spiritually even. um, Talk about that and have some wisdom poured into us or just have that empathy of, of a person just sitting there with you and whatever the messiness is that you're bringing into the therapy space. You know, I think even more specifically with motherhood, there's just so much changing at one time. You know, we've talked about the identity shift. We've talked about um, launching into a new life cycle, the physical demands on your body. We've talked about all of that. And gosh, what a more needed, like there's no more other time. There's no time that's greater in a woman's life and so necessary to have somebody come and navigate that alongside of them, right? And and to say to, to them, hey, I see you and this really hard thing. I see you. You matter in this. What's going on inside of you? Let's talk about this really hard thing. Let's figure it out together. How can I help you? How can I support you? I'm not judging you. You're having this really scary thought that's going on in your head about your kid, about them being hurt, about something happening to them. Yeah, that's really scary. And so that happens a lot. Let's talk through this. How can we help you through this? There's nothing greater on this side, like on the clinician side, to be able to sit with a woman in that time of just confusion, hardness, messiness, whatever it is. It's just such a joy. But then on the receiving end of that, to be known and be seen by a person, even if they don't know you at all outside of therapy, right? But just to like have somebody acknowledge this is really hard and this is really messy and I'm so sorry you're going through this. And then offer like help, help navigating this. There's something that's just so beautiful about that. And it's just, I think to, for me, 
it's a beautiful picture of the gospel in action that for me, I would just be really sad if, if more women did not take, take that opportunity or if I wasn't able to offer that service to women. Does it make sense at all what I'm saying? Totally. Totally. Saying I love a lot that of words. so much. Yeah. No, it's so good. And, and I think like, especially this season of life, like Carl is one of my go-to people to talk through things. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was just as tired and just as stressed and just as like yes. in the thick of it as I was. And so he like was not, he was in a good sounding board in that season. He mm-hmm. needed a sounding board just as much as mm-hmm. I did. And yeah. so having someone like outside of the situation and then also, you know, one of the things like that we've talked about is when you're in a therapeutic relationship, that is such a unique relationship because you're not friends. Like you may get along, you may Mm -hmm. really like each other, but you're not Mm -hmm. friends. So that means that I don't need to impress you. It means I don't need to worry about what you think about me. It means Mm -hmm. if, if we have a conflict or if I say something that is really, you know, messy to you, it's not going to jeopardize my whole social circle or my family mm-hmm. or, you know, it's just this really, really safe space um, right. with with a lot of freedom to, yeah, just yeah. be as messy as you need yeah. to be and to like kind of exactly. put some things back together. Yeah. Remember the therapy space is about you. It's not about your clinician. Like no part of it is about your clinician. Mm-hmm. This is all about you. And yeah. It's a great place to work out conflict. It's a great place where, oh, you know, you said a thing that didn't really sit well with me and I need to bring that to the table and let's talk that out. Um, great, let's do it. And you're, you're learning this really valuable skill of how to appropriately approach uh, conflict, right? Of, it doesn't have to be this big blown out thing. It's just a, hey, this thing didn't sit well. Can we talk about it? You're learning that. Yeah. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. It's a safe place to practice it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. And it's a safe place to even practice. So, okay, let's say you you are having a lot of messy thoughts and a lot of messy feelings and you want to communicate that to your partner, but you don't, you feel shame about getting it out or you're just not quite sure of how to get it out. Great, bring it to the therapy space. Let's practice that. How can I help you better say this to your partner? And then you yeah. get to go back to your partner and say, hey, I talked about this in therapy and I want to talk about it with you. Yeah. This is what I, for me, one of the most helpful things is getting to figure out, this is what I actually am trying to say. Because a lot of times when you're in the thick of something, whether it's a, an interpersonal conflict with that person or just something messy mm-hmm. in your head, it's like a, the word salad that comes out of my mouth yeah. in, in trying to figure out what I'm trying to say, like sometimes causes more damage than like actually mm-hmm. effectively communicating. So it's like, then we're talking about this thing I didn't even mean to talk about because I said it in a way that I didn't necessarily mean. And so getting to just actually figure out what you're trying to say before you say it is so helpful. So I want to do, I want to ask you just as one of the last things, how do we know if we've found the right therapist? Because I think that like it's awkward at first. And I think, you know, getting ourselves to therapy is one thing. But staying and knowing if like this is a good fit for you is a totally different one. So tell me about that. Let me actually flip it on you a little bit. Uh, how did you know that it okay. was the right therapist? You know, you, I'm not the only therapist that you've ever had. And so tell me, how did you know it was a good fit? I think there were certain things I was looking for. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. see a female. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, one of the things that I was really looking for was someone who 
like has the same like faith foundation as I do. Yeah. Um, and I remember I wrote back to you when you first, when we like first connected and I wrote back thinking that I was talking to like the coordinator. And yeah. I said, listen, I forgot to say this, but I'm really looking for someone who like shares my same faith. And you wrote me back and you're like, hey, so I'm actually the therapist you've been connected with, but you do. And so that's mm-hmm. just, but that's been such a great thing because then that's something that we can talk about together yeah. is like having, circling back to like, kind of the foundation of our, mm-hmm. like, we're, we're like speaking the same language, which is really, really important. And I think one of the other things that was really powerful with you is that, you know, when you're talking to someone and you say something and then they repeat back what they heard, like just in a conversation mm-hmm. and you go, yeah, that's not what I meant. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like, <laughs> like uh, that's, okay, so that's not what I was saying, but... um. Mm-hmm interesting that you heard that. You have always been the opposite of that, where I'll Mm -hmm. say something and you'll say, so it's kind of like this. And I go, exactly that. Um, And so I just have always felt really understood by you. And Mm -hmm. then I think I've always felt really safe. Like Mm -hmm. I can, I can truly bring my whole self to the table and it's never too much. It's never too messy. It's never, I've mm-hmm. never felt shamed or judged or mm-hmm. embarrassed or mm-hmm. anything like that. And then I've also felt really safe in terms of confidentiality, yeah. which is like, especially reinforced by the fact that we jumped through a lot of hoops to have this conversation yeah. today. And yeah. um, that, that you're like, we need to really think through this, really talk through this, really talk mm-hmm. about how this mm-hmm. is going to work, really, mm-hmm. you know, sign papers to make mm-hmm. sure that this is, that even this conversation is like had uh, in a way that makes me feel really safe and and in a way that makes our future sessions together like yeah. safe also. Absolutely. So yeah. yeah, I think that that would be it. Yeah. First of all, I'm so glad that you feel that way about our relationship. I feel similarly. <laughs> it's just so you know, like, I think we hit the jackpot with our therapeutic relationship. So, um, but I think all the things that you said, like, let's build off of that. What is important to you? Asking yourself those questions. For some people, gender is, of their therapist is a very big thing. Okay, great. Well, then specify that when you are reaching out to, uh, if you're going through uh, the type of practice, practice like Ready Nest is, uh, where we've got a whole bunch of therapists. Or um, there's a great resource called Psychology Today where you can uh, find all the therapists in your area and like uh, get really specific in your search about, okay, are they male or female? What are they focusing on? All of those types of things. So just really evaluating what is important to me. What do I want to get out of this? And then Mm -hmm. from there, you know, it really is a relational thing. Um, It's not unlike dating or building a new friendship with somebody. You gotta, you gotta give it a little bit. And sometimes you know, right off the bat, oh, this is not a great fit or, oh, this is a good fit. And this, I'll say again, this is not about your clinician. If it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. And that doesn't mean that the therapist that you're working with is bad. It just means that it's just not the right fit and that's okay. Something I tell my clients often is, if you don't think that you're going to get what you need from me, that's a-okay because I have a whole bunch of other qualified um, colleagues on this team and we're going to get you with the right person. So just know that if you are working with someone such as myself who has a team of other therapists that work, works alongside of her um, or him, be vocal about, hey, I, this isn't quite right for me and it, it'll be fine. We'll get you with you need, who you need to be, to who you need to be with. So 
making sure you feel safe, making sure you feel heard, all the things that you mentioned, those are all very important things. And it does take some self-reflection after a session or two just to be like, is this a good fit for me? And, you know, I operate out of my gut. And so for me, I'm just usually like, what's your gut telling you? What's the gut feeling here? Does this feel instinctually good to you? Then go with it, write it out and see what, what, what happens from there. Really like that. Do you have any just last? Actually, would you mind praying for us? Just the women who are listening, especially the women who are like just in the thick of it with a new baby. Mm, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Yeah. Let's go to God. Let's do it. Oh, dear Jesus. I am just so grateful that we get to meet here in this space all of us here together. And I pray for all of the listeners. And I pray especially for, for these new mamas that are really just sitting in the messiness of, of parenthood. And maybe they're dealing with some postpartum depression. Maybe they're dealing with some postpartum anxiety. Or maybe it's just, maybe it's just hard and they just need some space to talk. Um, Lord, I just, I pray specifically for them. And I just pray, Lord, that they just feel your presence. I pray that they they feel your love and that they feel seen by you and that they feel known by you. But Lord, I also ask that you would just send the Holy Spirit to them and just nudge them and direct them in, in, in the way of help, whether it's a pastor, whether it's uh, a therapist such as myself, whether it's uh, their pediatrician, their OB, whoever it is, Lord, just nudge them in the way that they need to go. Let them know that they're not alone, that there are resources available to them. Help friends reach out to them, whatever that needs to be, whatever that needs to look like, Lord. I just pray for them specifically that you would just cover them with with all the resources that they need and with all the support that they need, with the courage that they need. And Lord, I just feel grateful for Steph. I feel grateful for the way that she is just so willing to share parts of her story with her with her audience, with her listeners, with her friends, just to help normalize that this is this is normal for this to feel really hard and really messy. And it's also really normal for it to feel fantastic and really fun. All of it's normal. It just, I celebrate the fact that she is uh, using uh, this, this beautiful platform that you've given her just to really promote that all the things with motherhood are hard and they're all messy and they're all beautiful simultaneously and that there's there's help available, Lord. I celebrate that. I celebrate her. And Lord, I just, I pray for for the partners of, of uh, these moms that are going through a really hard time. And I just pray, Lord, that you give them the strength that they need. You would give them the insight that they need, the, the readiness to just be really there to jump in into action and to, to get their, their partner the help that they need or to that nudge that they need. Lord, um, I'm just so grateful that uh, you're here with us. I'm so grateful that you have uh, allowed uh, all of these women to be moms to their sweet little babies, uh, their sweet little babies that are on their way, sweet little babies that are in heaven, their sweet little babies that are in their arms already. Lord, I'm just so grateful for that all of these women get the opportunity to, to be moms. We celebrate them, Lord. We love them and we are grateful for them. And more importantly, Lord, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for the way that you love us. We're grateful for the way that you celebrate us and that you you support us. And Jesus, I just pray all of these things in your most precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kristen. You're so welcome, Steph. You guys, isn't Kristen amazing? I love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. 
One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links for any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. It means the world to me and it helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, will you take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review? Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. I can't wait. I'll see you then.